There is not a square inch in the world domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. <clears throat> but helping each other out, what's neat about the church is there are people who hopefully have their antennas up and are looking for ways to help each other out. At work sometimes it can feel really competitive. You guys are like, I went to tech school and I applied all this knowledge over years and it took me years and years and years to get where I am. Why should I show you? You know, why should I show you how to do what, what I do that I won't be as valuable to my employer and that kind of thing? Well, that's a whole different system. In, within the church, you would think, you have, you have men and women that have walked before you that understand some things and they can pass that knowledge along. And that's really great. Okay? Living in Him, living in Christ, people can show you how. It's a, it's a deeper knowledge than just knowing about His story. Okay, Just knowing, oh, yeah, there was a man named Jesus. He was born as a baby. He came around Christmas time. He lived. He did a bunch of nice things for people. I think He died on a cross or something. I'm not really sure why. And, and things like that. And you can know facts about Jesus, but not know him. Okay? There's a knowledge about Christ that is deeper, deeper, uh, living the way he taught. So getting with people and, and helping, helping each other learn what it means to walk with their Lord. Um, verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through how and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than in Christ. Remember when Joe was preaching last week and he talked about fine-sounding arguments? I underlined that, baby, and I wrote something in my margin because that, that really spoke to me, that these arguments will make sense to you. These distractions and these things that pull you away and these things about the world system, well, here's how it really is. I know what they're trying to tell you over at that church, but here's how life really works. You know, And, and there are things that can drive us sometimes that aren't aren't godly at all. Captive is an interesting word. There are people walking around right now thinking that they're free. They can do whatever they want, but they're actually captive by something. Addicts come to mind. People that are so dependent on a substance or a thing. Boy, I'm not really sure you want to put that into your body. That's probably not good for you. Don't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want. Well, you're not doing whatever you want because really that substance is driving you and it, and, it, and it helps influence how you spend your money and your time and, and things like that. This is one example. But there's a lot of philosophies that would, that would pull away from, from Christ, okay? Because they depend on human tradition. So what you depend on shows a lot about you. Now, now even believers can be swayed by deceptive philosophies and by human traditions to depend on something other than Christ. I wonder if you've ever had this thought. I know I have. If I make more money, I'll be more secure and happy and loved, and I'll be able to respect myself more. Here's another one. If I keep all, all the commandments, and if I go to church, and I volunteer a lot, and I sit still without fidgeting the entire time, and I wear nice clothes, and I don't forget to brush my hair, and I look very nice that day, God will be more pleased with me than he would if I didn't. You know, these are, these are philosophies that can affect our affect their thinking. And that's what I think was happening in Colossae a lot. There were, there were people 
people trying to keep all kinds of rules. So what are you really working for to begin with? You know, people say they're, they're working to please God, but what other things drive you? Um, achieving more strength? Some of us work very hard on our physical bodies and trying to get back in shape and things. I let myself go terribly. It was horrible. But then I had some medical issues that woke me up a little bit, and now it's almost an obsession some days. I will put other things aside so I make sure I get that exercise in because it's so important to me to be strong. I need to be careful because that kind of motivation can be good motivation, but can also pull me away from time spent in God's Word, time spent with my family. How about reputation? That might be something we work for. Letters after our name or a better position at work or something like that. Certainly more money can be something we can strive and strive and strive for. And even taking care of our health, which on the surface is a, is a wonderful thing to do, um, but can pull you aside. So I'm going to move on to verse 9 and then pro probably through the rest of the chapter. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So I looked at the word, word fullness, the technique some of us use that. Some of us have a lot of secret knowledge and we, and we know things or we want, we want more knowledge. We look up words. It's really easy now because you can pull out your phone and you can use Google and you can find out what any word means. <laughs> or, you know, years ago it was the dictionary, the card catalog, things like that. But the, it's just the English language. What, is, what does that word mean? Fullness. Well, it's probably an absence of lack. It was lacking before, it wasn't as full. Now it's satisfied, it's full. We know what full is a full jug of milk, a full gas tank, full. So when he's talking about the fullness of the deity, the fullness of the Godhead, of God himself, I don't think it means God had a lot to eat this Thanksgiving and he's feeling full. <laughs> There's a glory and an amazing presence in, in God's, God's world. Uh, he's omnipresent. He always has been and always will be. He has all knowledge. You know, so there's there are words and things and concepts that aren't don't really exist in our world. But then when we think about God, words have a whole lot deeper, deeper, deeper meaning. So certainly satisfied in a sense that everything is as it should be. Let's look at Ephesians three nineteen. Or 16 through 19, really. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are filled to the measure with all the fullness of God, some of the things that distract you and drive you and pull you away from Christ don't have a whole lot of effect anymore. You will overflow with thankfulness and you will be able to think about Him and it'll be easy. It's not like keeping a whole bunch of rules and trying to please some God that you can hardly know. It's an amazing, amazing relationship. Oh, let's go to verse 10. And you've been given the fullness of Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised, and the putting off of the sin. 
nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins, in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the written code with his regulations that was against us, and that stood opposed to us. And he took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen, and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He's lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Now, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why, as you, though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, but their self-imposed worship and their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So he's talking about rules about what you, what you eat and drink, what you up where you would where you go each day. Verse 20 says, You've died with Christ. So now our, our mission is to grow with him. And we can't make ourselves grow, can we? Our growth is it's a lifelong process. We got some more stuff. <laughs> these are these are there's all kinds of saws and stuff like that that I get to use. This is a nice big one. I didn't put a blade in it on purpose because there's young boys and girls in the room. But this power cord goes in here. We have a, a forward and reverse on this thing. And there's, there's another song. I don't think Pastor Joe would mind too much because he wants his people to be tough. So, what you do is, oh, that's, that's not too good. But the blade goes in here, and here's, a, here's a, a collar that you rotate counterclockwise, insert your blade, and that'll hold that tight here. This one's even got a light on it, and that's kind of cool. And this is battery powered, so you don't need to plug that in. Okay, here's some more battery powered stuff. This is an impact wrench. And this is a drill. Now, for years and years and years, I used drills. And what they what they invented was a chuck on here, a collar, which would adjust the tension by which where that fastener would stop. Okay, but if you put it on the hammer mode, it would it wouldn't stop at all. It's just going to hammer and hammer. And if you put it on a drill mode, obviously that's for punching holes. <coughs> Speeds on here because in some materials you need to go slower and have to pay a lot more attention to what you're doing on some you need to go faster. Forward and reverse, and this runs up at the power. Now these have come across in the last decade or so, they've become a lot more popular. It's called an impact wrench. This is cool because you can drive fasteners into a harder material because it hammers for you. 
order reverse and the battery comes off. Why am I telling all this? I'm not exactly sure. Other than you learn how to use things over time. You don't know what you need to know as you move on with life. So just like in the church, we can teach each other sometimes on the job or when we're making things, you know, somebody can teach. It's really neat to watch Pastor Joe work with his kids and they're, they're uh, resurfacing tables and they're taking care of things at home. And he takes those opportunities to teach and to interact with his young ones. It's a beautiful thing. So to demand instant maturity, to know how to use everything right away, it actually hurts ourselves and hurts others. Uh, God didn't set it up that way. I was reminded of Galatians 2, verses 19 through 21. When I tried to keep the law, the law itself condemned me. So I died to the law, and I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. For if by keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. So certainly in Colossae there were rules. Lots and lots and lots of rules. In the Old Testament there were rules. Now, a lot of these rules were good because they were pointing towards the Messiah. There will come a time when God will make things right by himself with his own sacrifice, and we won't have to try and keep all these rules anymore, trying to walk a tightrope and all kinds of things like that. So trying to keep some of these older rules and actually insult Christ because he's, he's offered you a free uh, relationship with God, and you're going to be over here trying to earn it yourself. You wear yourself out. So some people are still saying, we need to keep all those Old Testament rules. We need to try to be good. And who of us, by being good, can possibly please God? So there were ceremonial laws. Here's the proper way to wash your hands before you attend such and such. Here's the proper things to eat and drink and the proper days. And they had a whole calendar set up of the appropriate ways to go about things. There's also the civil law, that's the laws in our community, things like that, uh, speed limits, uh, laws about not hurting each other, things like that, and the police will come in and, and enforce those types of laws. They run, they run society on a day-to-day. There's also the moral law, which was written in tablets of stone. We didn't call it the Ten Suggestions. <laughs> I think it was important to God if he inscribed it on tablets so that it would endure for a long, long time. So we don't just throw those out. We certainly consider the Ten Commandments along with our, along with our laws. What is, what is he trying to say here? How, how can we live in a way that's going to be very respectful to God and beneficial to ourselves and others? Now, we're not going to earn our salvation, but obviously these laws are very important. There's also things that I, we can call the community code, uh, things like if when you come into church, you expect these chairs to face this way. It would mess you up if they were facing that way. There, there are certain things we just do day by day. Park inside the yellow lines. Don't park crooked like this. Park your car straight. There are things that are that are uh, the community code. 
And I've noticed in my life that the community code is usually felt a lot more than it's written. I don't feel 100% accepted in certain communities because people have known each other for years and years and years and I feel like an outsider and I don't fit in. Maybe I'm not pleasing them with the way I live or, or things I do. Um, now those aren't written down anywhere, but they can certainly pull at our, pull at our joy and things like that. We need to have our roots growing down into Christ uh, so that things like that don't blow us out so much. But they can certainly show us where our sense of security comes from, can't they? <laughs> so that's what I have for us this morning, and I hope, uh, hope our Heavenly Father will speak. Um, can we just finish in prayer? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for watching over us today. Thank you for being here in our midst, and I pray that you would uh, go on ahead with us and teach us how to live. In Jesus' name we always pray. Amen. <coughs>